Okay, good morning. I want to uh, thank Lazy Bean Cafe again uh, for sponsoring this year. I didn't even have to call. It was automatic. I think Howard did call. And a, a special call out to Donnie Sosemski. I would say this even if Kenny wasn't here and Tammy's not listening. But what a great guy, Donnie. He's a great member of our show now, officially, and uh, just does so much kindness. Very nice. I'm going to speak to him later today, but I would have said that anyway, so thank you. Also, uh, some of you I'm very surprised to see. You spent 10 hours with me on a bus, and you still come back for more. The only reason I was somewhat behaved, I'm terrible on buses, because it brings back memory of my childhood, and I was not one of those guys, you know, behaving on a bus with the mu- at the museums and all that stuff. But uh, Baruch Hashem, I had to prepare the shear. I called Howard on the way to Washington. I said, Howard, am I giving a shear tomorrow morning? He said, yes. So Baruch Hashem, that's why I was quiet for part of the time. So I finished this morning, and you'll see the topic. I also want to thank Chaim uh, Mark Goldsmith for sponsoring today, Memory of Yisrael Ben Eliyahu Cohen. Uh, like all of you, you know, we tend to, <clears throat> I have found that uh, looking over these parshios in uh, general, and uh, I say specifically not just parshios, but when it comes to tefillah, you know, since October 7th, at least I'm sure all of you as well, you look at things a little bit differently. You know, we're going to come up soon in the parshios with Yosef being taken captive and uh, separated from his father. You're going to read it this year differently than uh, you've read it in the past. And what I'm trying to do, at least what I announced I was going to do without really uh, knowing exactly uh, what I was going to cover every week, was to just, you know, point out certain parts of davening that we've said, that we continue to say, that uh, maybe we could look at a little bit differently. We may already look at differently. I was uh, talking to Rabbi Newberger yesterday. We bumped into each other a couple of times. And, you know, he said something uh, way back, you know, when I decided here at Shul not to add different parts to davening. Happens to be someone told me Beth Abraham did, but that's for a separate calculation. But uh, I had heard Rabbi Newberger say, better, say it better, not longer, right? Which is at least what I've tried to do. You know, once you add something to tefillah, besides the Tehillim, like Avinu Malkeinu, which is tremendous, I'm a Sanzer Chassid. The Sanzer Rebbe, after 67, added Avinu Malkeinu for six, seven years. But then it's hard to roll back. Like, when exactly do you stop saying it? Or when does it become uh, routine? I know uh, some shuls already have stopped saying Avinu Malkeinu. Now, maybe now is when you need it more than ever, if you know what's going on uh, right now, today. And we should have every, the Tzahal and everybody in mind as their uh, battles are raging. So I saw Rav Shechter said, well, if you don't want to say it every day, then say it Monday and Thursday, which is fine. In yeshiva, right, that's incredible. But if I would say it, on, we're only going to say Avinu Malkeinu on Monday and Thursday. Well, unless there's a bris, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because you have Avinu Malkeinu, you have Kriya Satora, you have Uhurachim. So how much kavan are we going to have? That's a challenge. But I, whatever you do is great, and whatever every shul does is amazing. They, uh, nobody thought we'd get on the buses tomorrow, by six, yesterday by 6.30, but it worked out. You know, it's nice to have, and still Barovam Hadras Melech. Sometimes, you know, you have to go a little bit quicker. But whatever it is, whatever we say, we should say better. So I want to point out, uh, you know, anybody who was at the, uh, the, the rally yesterday, and I know a lot of people like my mother watched it online, so there was this constant theme, you know, bring them home, bring them home. I'm even, I got a bracelet, bring them home. It's obviously very complicated because you want to bring them home, 
and I have, a, as you know, a pretty, a pretty close friend who has a child who's in captivity. And, uh, you know, how do you balance everything? And we think about this during davening, bring them home, but then do you not attack? You know, I, don't, I would not want to be a decision maker over here. And I definitely, as we heard from those families yesterday, Hashem should uh, protect them. So when exactly uh, during davening, that's what I want to discuss. We're not going to finish it today. But when exactly uh, during davening do we think about this? Like when do we think about the hostages? Uh, Azriel, I didn't listen carefully enough, but Azriel said a mishabeach for shvuyim, right? So what do you use? The Koran? Did you say shvuyim? Did you add, ned- I'm not putting you on the spot. No, I understand. But did you say nedarim? Probably not. There's nothing wrong. But the, 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 the one that I handed out, we say nedarim. What's the difference between a, uh, someone who's taken captive, which is shvuyim and nedarim? What's the difference? So, shavuya means a captive. You know somebody's in captivity. Again, it could be somebody, we're not talking about 250 people, it could be one person. Remember when those, we thought those three boys were in captivity? Or Nachshon Waxman? You know, we would dive in just as hard for one person. You know, Kavachomer for hundreds, but, and we hope that it doesn't happen to any of us, to anyone in the army, etc. So, a person who's in captivity is called a Chevy, right? Not where you drive, a Chevy's in captivity. But then there's another term, a nedar. A nedar is, the way you'd say it in uh, English is MIA. We don't know exactly. How, Sam, what would be a literal translation of nedar? Not present. Not present. We don't even know how to categorize them exactly. They're not in our presence. So for example, as you follow the news, what's one of the first things that you read every morning? One of the first things, you see the count changes. How many are in, I mentioned this to Charles Shittis, I'm sure. I don't remember exactly, but you have how many are in captivity, how many are alive, how many are dead. You've seen the status change because there's a lot of uh, work going on in Israel. Uh, and very sophisticated ways to try to identify, you know, who's alive, who's not alive, who's in captivity and who's not alive. So nedar means we're not sure exactly, right? As I mentioned, uh, I know someone very close to me and to the Jewish people. He's, he's a great leader of the Jewish people, Rabbi Doron Perez. His son was MIA. That was one emotion the family was dealing with. Likely not alive. But now the, the army knows that he's chatuf, which means he's a hostage. So which part of davening do we think about? So that's why the Mishaberach we say, one of the, the one we use tonight at least has both uh, inside. So when do we think about this during davening? Now, obviously, you could always think about uh, whatever you want during davening. Or, or, or whomever you want during Rifa'inu, during Shema Kaleinu, if you have enough time before uh, Shema Nesra, you know, by, by in Elokai, there's Yil Ratzon. But do we have specific tefillos besides the Mishabera? And there have been, over the years, a, a number of different, uh, we don't have in Tanakh a special Mishabera, at least we don't think, for Shavuyim, even though, when I say Tanakh and Gemara, it's very common. If you learn Masech HaSkidin, it's also in other places, in the Bubba's, they're learning now Bubba Kama, right? Didn't you learn about Sadaka yet? Did you do that? Sadaka? Is that Bubba Basra or Bubba Kama? Bubba Basra. Daf Tess. What are you up to in Daf Yomer? 
Okay, so yeah, it must be, but not Baba Khan, Baba Basra. In their early parts, the top test stuff, he talks about different categories of tzedakah. One of them is Matnosani, one of them is Pidyon Shivuyim. Because classically, the way it was presented, they were a lot nicer than Hamas. You know, you used to be able to buy people off. That's where you get this term kidnapping, right? A kid was uh, taken away, and they set a certain price, whoever the, captive, the, the captors were, and then there was a whole calculation that was made in the community. How much do we pay for this person? Why does it have to be a cheshbon? Because what happens if uh, you, know, you pay, then what's likely to happen the next day? There's going to be another kid who's taken away, or another adult, like the Marami Rudenberg. The family could do whatever they want, but uh, these are questions that are old questions. So where is it in tefillah? That's my question, right? Is it in tefillah? And I'm going to try to show you the next couple of weeks where to have this in mind. Now, if we start, um, if you start on the bottom of the page, this is the bottom of the page. We're not going to go 100% in order. So how do you know which page is page one? I don't know. But uh, I should have written it down. But look at the, it says Talmud Babli Maseches Brachas. Dafnun Dalad Amin Beis. So now we're already jumping a little bit to what we hope is the uh, Maskana. I mentioned in Shul somewhere that uh, I was in Shul a couple, I was in a Shul in uh, Modi'in, not Modi'in, in uh, Baca, I think it's called, where, what's the Shul over there, Nitzanim? I dive into the Minyan. And the, every, every single person except for me, Bench Golomel, that Shabbos. Because I'm a, you know, what did I do? I just went to Israel to visit. But all these were Chayalim, who just came out, whether they were in Gaza, not Gaza, when you come out, you say a Birchad Gomel, as we know. So look what the Gemara says, Mesechus Brachos. Amarav Yehuda Amarav, this is what we hope. We're fast forwarding to the Maskana. We'll go in a little bit different order than presented. Amarav Yehuda Amarav, Arbad Srichim Lahodos. So we have something called Birchad Gomel. There are four people that are obligated, four categories of people that are obligated to give uh, gratitude, which the conclusion will be, the Gemara goes through different possibilities, but if you look on um, to the Rambam, don't turn yet, one of them is going to be a person that is Chavush. That's what you have right here in the Gemara. Now you'll notice in the Gemara, this is not a coincidence, that this is the last one that is listed. In the, in the Talmud, it's the last one. <coughs> So a person was Kavush, or, you know, a Chevy. Now, this could be in prison, it could be in captivity. The Acheronim point out over here, we're not talking about you in prison for tax evasion, okay? You know, for, for, for violating civil law. It means a person is taken in prison against their will. Now, again, today, if a person's in prison, you know, white-collar crime, it's an interesting shayla. Whether they say Birchus HaGomel, whether they throw Kiddush for the shul, whether the shul should throw Kiddush for them, I'm not getting into it. I've been to prison, by the way, only as a visitor, right, Baruch Hashem. And anyone who comes out, you know, and they say, oh, that was such a great experience. You know, sometime, one time, nobody from this community, but I once visited a prison, I said, how are you doing? He said, never been better, right? Never been better. I feel bad for his family, never been better. That's just a bravado, because even these white collar, unless you're in North Carolina, maybe, but you heard about this place, Otisville, everybody says, oh, it's the greatest. It's not so great. I mean, they have good popcorn Shabbos, and, uh, but it's a terrible place. You know, nobody, it's worse than the, you know, today camps have air conditioning, so it's definitely not as bad as a camp. But even those of you who went to Mosheval, you know, in the old days, or one of those camps, this is worse. But it's a bravado. You gotta come out and say, you know, it's great. 
until they go back again, which usually happens. Okay, so does that guy say Bircha Dagoma? Depends on the Minog of the Shul, right? That's totally on the Minog of the Shul, what do they say? But that's not what's being discussed in the Gemara. Gemara is talking about a guy who's, you know, taken against his will, very often is persecution against the Jewish community. So the person says Bircha Dagoma. So that's on the way out. But what I want to focus a little bit on is what happens when they're in. Now, it's interesting, you'll see the psukim that he used on the top. How do we know that that person has to say Birchada Gomel? And by the way, Birchada Gomel is much more expansive because Rabbi Salavetsky pointed out it's somewhat of a personal feeling. You know, you may be, feel that you're out of danger, but you weren't objectively. You have uh, 500 people on an airplane today. You know, airplanes, I think, are safer than uh, crossing the street. So do you say Birchada Gomel or not? Well, crossing the street, you probably should say Birchada Gomel. But it's going to be somewhat subjective, right? Some will say, some won't say. It depends what do you feel like, right? So that's going to be true even in the Beis Asura. But it's very interesting the psukim that are being used to, as the proof text. And they're very, we're going to see some of these psukim actually slip their way into the Mishaberach that we say for the Shavuyim and the Nedarim. For example, it says, Yoshrei Choshech Vitzalmavis. The Pasuk from Tehillim. That's what we say when we say the, the modern version. There was a beautiful version written by Rabbi Mervis, the, um, I, I called him the wrong name the other day, chief rabbi of England, when those three boys were taken captive. Remember those three boys? That summer of 2014, maybe. Now, by the way, they weren't taken captive, we found out afterwards, right? They were shot on the spot, so we don't know. But you'll notice in the Rambam, in Perik Yid Halachaches, it says, This is on the, the second side. A chola that's healed, that's number one. And then you see the Rambam goes out of order. He pushed up from four to two. The chava sheyatsumi beisasurim. So that person says, And you see the way it's brought down the Shulchan Aruch, who goes back to the order in the Gemara. If I was given a shear on that, I would explain why. Now, it, many people sent me a... Uh, something from Instagram. I was talking to a rabbi this week, and they said, what do you do when people send you, like a hundred people from your shul send you the same thing? This was a rabbi from five towns, a beautiful rabbi said to me. So I said, what I write down, what I say to the person is, you're one of the, top, you're one of the first hundred people to send it to me. He says, you can't be so sarcastic with your congregants. I said, I, I don't know, my shul is a lot nicer. I'm sarc- you know, I don't know if that's sarcastic, I'm being truthful, right? So uh, he said he couldn't do it. Uh, but what happened? So there was a footage from Channel 14 in Israel, uh, Arutz uh, 14, okay? So what happened? You, you don't get the whole story if you, unless you go back to the original video. What happened was they were interviewing a, uh, some expert. You know, in Israel, there, there are more TV stations and online stations and more experts than I've ever seen. You know, I was in Israel for 10 days. I met so many experts. You know, first of all, every single person's an ex-general in the IDF who's giving their, uh, what's gonna happen. It's amazing. And plus you have all your cousins and uncles, so Baruch Hashem. So hopefully we really have the experts. So on this, uh, what they do is they sit around a big table, just like in America, and they, they have a guy who they, who's the expert. So you have these two anchors on uh, Arus 14, Yudalik, whatever you call it. Exactly. And um, 
they're speaking to they're speaking to a reporter. They're speaking to an expert who happens to be with a kippah, wearing a little bottle cap kippah, and they're interviewing him. At that moment, they find out that uh, there was a chayelet who was redeemed from captivity. We don't know the whole story yet, and there should be many more. But in Gaza, right in Gaza, the army. You, you heard about the story with all the terrible stories. And um, I remember that, you know, I remember where I was in Israel. It was a big celebration. Till the next night, there were 14 soldiers killed very close by in the same spot. I mean, same general area. So this, they get so emotional. You know, in Israel, they're not trying to show object, objectivity during this bound. You know, for a change, you know, everybody seems to be on the same page. It's not always like that in Israel news. So what's the scene? I gave it to you over here from Instagram. The anchor, who's not wearing a kippah, he goes over to the guy who's the expert over there wearing a kippah. They're not talking about this. And he grabs his kippah, he puts his, it on the head, and he says, Barakat Hashem al-Kenam matir asura. And you see the, the uh, anchoret, whatever you say that in Hebrew, the Mrs. Anchor. Exactly. She says, she's saying a bracha along, you know, because I think she may actually be a datiyah. So it was an unbelievable scene. You know, just on national TV, right? To, to hear someone say matir asura. Now, is that the right bracha to say? I said matir asura this morning, right? Already I said matir asura, some form of it, three times by the time I stood up over here. You know what? We said it three times today. Let's, let's take a little bit of a rotation. We use that terminology, matir asurim. I gotta finish in a couple of minutes, three times. Maybe that's the right bracha. First of all, when someone gets out of captivity, but maybe it's also what we should be thinking about during matir asurim. So three times. First of all, we said it, when you, unless you follow uh, the Rambam, you said it here for the first time in Shul, when you came to Shul. If you follow the Rambam, you said it when you sat on your bed, okay? But that's not what we do. The second time we said it was during the Halukas, right? It's the Halukah. First Halukah, we talk about Hashem, Matir Asurim, Zokef Kafufim. It's interesting. It sounds like the brachas from Birchas Hashachar, but it's a little bit different. And then we actually said it a third time. I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but I wouldn't have thought of it either until this war. We said it in the bracha of Mechaya HaMason. We refer to Hashem as Matir Asurim. Now, is that what we're talking about? Is that what this guy was thinking? Because this guy, who doesn't look like he's Dati, at least on the surface, he didn't even think about it twice. The first thing he does, he takes the kippah and he says, Matir Asurim. He didn't get out of prison, right? He didn't get out of captivity. If you look at the Gemara below, and this is our setup for next week. It says, Kishama Kol Tarnagola. This is the last source right now. That uh, the way, I, I'm sure we did this in the past. The brachos that we have in the morning, Birchus HaShachar, as well as the Elkai Neshama, which is also part of it. The way it was used to happen in the time of the Gemara, and the Rambam Paskins this Lahalacha, it wasn't said when everybody came to Shul. It was said as it was like action, you know, just like the first thing you say when you wake up after, oh my God, you know, I have to get up, you, or whatever else you say, you uh, say moda'ani. So it was the same thing. What happened when you heard the rooster? In uh, New Milford, we still have some farms, right? When you heard the rooster, you'd say, thank Hashem, who gave understanding to the rooster. And then when you, uh, 
opened up your eyes, you'd say Pokeach Ivrim, right? It was live in action. Already this stopped because not everybody was an expert. The two reasons that are given, why it was all codified in the shul. And then you'll look into the Gemara. The Gemara says, Ki Taritz V'yasev. Tarit V'yasev means literally uh, you sit up on your uh, bed, whatever you're sleeping on. Lema Baruch Matir Asurim. So what are, these, what are these anchors doing with Baruch Matir Asurim when, when a person gets out of captivity? So hopefully uh, this is what we're going to continue with to see the relevance of this bracha. And maybe whenever you see Matir Asurim, even before next week's class, think about the people that are in prison.